You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. ISIS gets doxxed, comparative studies of malign and benign inspiration, did coup plotters overlook the internet, DDoS against governments, companies, and games, turning two-factor authentication toward fraud, malicious Excel macros, the story of the C-knife web shell, NFAL malware stays relevant after all these years, and some trends in security investment. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, July 19, 2016. A prominent ISIS web forum administrator has had his online correspondence hacked and two years of it dumped on Pastebin, Motherboard reports. The content includes recruitment information and communication with forum members. A Flashpoint researcher observes that the myth of a highly secure jihadi underground is exactly that. It's a myth. The material that's been released is thought to be sufficiently interesting to the intelligence services of the civilized world that the forum participants have some grounds to worry. Some of the correspondence was encrypted with ISIS's homebrew version of PGP. The forum went down shortly after the doxing, under repair. The relative lack of security found in jihadist online operations should be unsurprising. ISIS, whatever its larger long-term aspirations and woofing about its technical chops, has long concentrated on the Internet as a place for information operations, specifically for the sort of inspiration that would draw recruits and prompt independent attacks. The pack leaders essentially are howling at the lone wolves. More sad indications of the success such inspiration appears to be having may be seen in the case of the Afghan teenager who attacked train passengers near Würzburg, Germany, with an axe. And in evidence, French authorities say they have that the man who murdered Bastille Day holidaymakers in Nice was much taken up with searching online for information about the Orlando massacre. German police officials caution against jumping to conclusions about the Würzburg attacks. On the other hand, an ISIS flag was found in the attacker's apartment, and ISIS itself hasn't been shy about claiming the boy as one of its soldiers. Postmortems on whatever it was that happened last weekend in Turkey conclude that the coup plotters' central error was failure to take down the Internet. How they might actually have done so, analysts tend to leave as an exercise for their readers, apart from some hand-waving in the direction of DDoS. Shutting down the internet is easier said than done, and again, ironically, Turkish citizens during the Erdogan era have grown fairly adept at circumventing blocks to their access to social media. It would seem to be particularly difficult to do this under the time pressure of a coup d'etat. Ars Technica reports that one of the plotters is alleged to have been a Turkish army colonel regarded as an expert in cyber operations. Considering distributed denial-of-service attacks, compare ones suffered this week by Philippine government websites. The attacks are widely held to be the work of Chinese security services, acting against their country's rival for control of territorial or international waters in the South China Sea. 
Symantec has reported banking malware concealed in Excel macros, a new wrinkle on distribution of malicious code. There's also some fresh news on a long-used family of espionage tools popular in China. Recorded Future has been looking at a dangerous web shell they're calling C-Knife. We spoke with Recorded Future expert Levi Gundert about the threat. In this case, we actually alerted on some of the technologies that were mentioned in a Chinese forum post. And because we do natural language processing in Chinese and Russian and a lot of other foreign languages, um, we're able to to detect uh, these sorts of events. And so this event for CNIFE came through because of references to things like ASPX and PHP and so forth and so on. And so it was very interesting when we dug into it because the first reference we had to it was actually in December of 2015. We, we hadn't internally caught it until this alert fired in March. And that was about the same time that CNIFE had been posted to GitHub. Uh, but it was all done in Chinese. So the only chatter about this particular web shell was in Chinese forums, Chinese-speaking forums. The C-Knife exploit uses a programming technique called a web shell. I asked Gunder to explain the technology. The term web shell is probably a little bit more confusing than what it is. It's, it's really just a file that's giving an adversary access to the underlying operating system or shell. It doesn't have to be malicious. It, it could be something that's benign or helpful. But essentially what it is is just a file that sits on a web server. And that file is essentially some sort of code. So generally speaking, these files that get placed on web servers are only used by actors and adversaries with malicious intent. And what they're doing is they're remotely calling these files on the web server to do things like access a database, upload additional tool sets, just maintain persistence in the web server while they map other parts of the network. There's so many different ways to leverage a web shell, limited by the creativity of the individual using it. There's a well-known Chinese exploit called China Chopper, and the creators of C-Knife describe it with nationalistic pride as a cross-platform evolution of China Chopper. China Chopper was built for Windows only, and so if you're going to install the, the controller, so the controller connects to that file on the web server, that controller was only built for Windows. It's portable executable versus CNIFE, which is built in Java. So I've run it on Linux and it runs on Windows, it runs on Mac. Um, so it's completely cross-platform compatible. Levi Gundert says they haven't spotted CNIFE in the wild yet, and he offers some advice for protecting yourself from web shell exploits. If you're going to prevent web shells, you actually have to understand your web servers and their environments. Um, you have to do the basic things like upgrade and patch and where you run content management systems like Joomla or WordPress and or you have plugins for those things, you know, if you're in an enterprise and you have hundreds of servers or even double digits, uh, it becomes fairly complex to understand whether a particular file should actually be on that web server or not. And because it's not particularly malicious in and of itself, it becomes very difficult to detect these things. And so it, it really comes back to doing a better job of hunting in your own traffic, in your own servers, um, and also just really doing some good uh, due diligence on the basics you know, for those web servers. Because over and over again, we see that some of the, the really impactful campaigns tend to start with a web server. You know, that's where they, that's where they initially gain a foothold. That's Levi Gundert from Recorded Future. You can read the entire CNIFE report on their website.
Another espionage tool, Enfal, was first spotted in 2004, but continues to circulate in appropriately updated forms. Verint has been tracking Enfal, and notes that its targets tend to be diplomatic missions and non-governmental organizations in East Asia, with some attention recently to Brazil and Ethiopia. Enfal offers a striking example of the way venerable malware persists in evolved forms. In industry news, experts warn about the importance of addressing cybersecurity during mergers and acquisition in all sectors. We heard last week at Cynet's Innovation Summit that venture capital's interest in cybersecurity startups is growing more sophisticated and selective, but that it's far from over. Other observers see a trend toward a somewhat smaller number of somewhat larger investments. This morning, SkyCure announced that it's received $16.5 million in Series B funds. Foundation Capital led this round, which brings SkyCure's total funding to $27.5 million. Finally, we return to the topic of online inspiration. If inspiration is a form of information operations, and if information operations are largely marketing and battle dress, consider the marketing phenomenon of Pokemon Go. A piece in Foreign Policy sees this as the culmination of a Japanese government soft power campaign spread through the cult of the cute, or kawaii. This seems like a big stretch, although we're too close both physically and temporally to the recently concluded BronyCon to underestimate the power of the cute. And to compare the Shinto matrix of Pokemon to Jihad would do an injustice to both Shinto and Islam. But information operators might study the Pokemon Go phenomenon with profit if they seek a benign case study of viral inspiration. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. Joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Joe, we've been seeing all these breaches with passwords and people getting into people's accounts, people using um, common passwords on multiple accounts. One of the ways that we can uh, sort of fight this is by using two-factor authentication, right? Right. Yeah, there are, there are three parts to uh, identify somebody or to authenticate them, and that's who they are, what they know, or what they have. 
So if you look at that from your perspective, who you are could be like a biometric, like your iris scan, fingerprint, facial recognition, something you know could be your username and password, and something you have usually winds up being a cell phone, uh, your cell phone. So a lot of sites such as Gmail and many banking sites will have a setting, an optional setting, where you can go in and enable a two-factor authentication process where you enter your username and password and then they send a text to your phone with a code. And then you, they prompt you for that code, you enter the code, if it matches, you get authenticated because presumably you have your phone. So now what happens is if my password's out there uh, in, in one of these hash leaks or plain text, God forbid, and it gets uh, compromised and guessed or brute forced or whatever, uh, now somebody has to identify me personally find out where I am physically, steal my phone, then go log in and enter the code. So obviously making it a lot harder than just being able to have the password on its own. And, and some of these uh, services allow you to kind of dial in uh, when they hit you with the multi-factor. Right. Yeah? Gmail says uh, every time you log in from an unrecognized computer, uh, it, it will prompt, it will send you one of these codes. Uh, I have a, uh, there's a financial institution that I use that has the setting that that I can be prompted every single time I log in for it. And uh, every and so now every time I enter my username and password, I get the code and I enter the code and I log in. And yes, it takes a little more time, but now it's going to be a lot harder for someone to break into my account. And I think that's part of it is getting over that hump of, you know, because it is uh, when you're trying to log into something and you have to wait for that text to come, it can... <laughs> It can make you, you know, it's it's a slowdown. It's a, it's a little bit of a roadblock, and that can be an annoyance, but really in the big picture, probably worth it. Right. It's like a work factor. So now in order to get into my account, not only do I need a username and password, but I also need a little bit of time. Well, to me, a little bit of time is not much, but to somebody who might be trying to brute force it, uh, it's going to be significant. And again, it's it's one of those things where uh, we might not be able to make our our accounts uh, completely secure. But if the 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 other accounts are less secure than ours, then the hackers are going to spend their time on those other accounts instead of ours. Correct. And nothing is ever going to be completely secure. All right. So we do the best we can. Right. All right, Joe. Thanks once again for joining us. My pleasure. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With Identity Orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.
Hey all, Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.